What's cool about our platform is it all hooks together. So you don't need to use us in silos. You could offer cards and then offer investment analytics. You could offer goals-based savings on top of the cards. All of the data works together. Our whole platform is orchestrated together. So it's a big difference between us and others. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another edition of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Uh, This is your host, Jeff Borkin. Really excited to be joined today by Mike Kane, one of the co-founders of the Hydrogen uh, Platform. Mike, so the audience uh, can get some background on you. Do you mind just giving a quick introduction where how you got to where you are today and your background? Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. It's great to be here. So this is Mike. I'm the co-founder of Hydrogen. Hydrogen's the fintech enablement platform. I actually started the company with my twin brother, Matt, who uh, hope, hopefully everyone can meet at some point uh, about two and a half years ago. I originally started in the fintech space way back in 2009. Matt and I started one of the first robo-investing firms called Hedgeable. And what we tried to do was take what I had learned at Bridgewater and some other investment firms I worked at and allow more mass market population to invest like wealthy people. Uh, So we were one of the first uh, robo-advisors in the market. We ran that business for a long time. Uh, we saw you know, a big trend and movement like Currency Cloud did to B2B uh, APIs and FinTech around 2014, 2015. Uh, so Matt and I actually decided to uh, move into Hydrogen, which is uh, a B2B platform in 2017, move away from consumers. Because what we found is why not offer the ability for thousands of entrepreneurs like ourselves to build something like Hedgeable and, and not just in the investing market, but if you're building in the banking market and payment, uh, card space, insurance, you know, why not have a platform that would now allow you to build these different applications and enable that? So that's really what Hydrogen's all about in our mission. Yeah, that's great. I think the it's really the ecosystem thing is so interesting because we have all these you know open banking rules across the EU, um, and I think the US is is not really close to actually getting there. You know, you have some applications like Plaid that enable uh, financial apps to get the customer's banking data. But like you said, there's when it comes to if you want to build a fintech, and I've thought about this, and obviously you've done it, you, there's like 17 different pieces you really have to pull together. You have to go out and maybe get regulate, get, get a sponsor bank. Um, if you want international transfers, you might plug in Currency Cloud. If you want, you need KYC. You could plug in on Fido. I think is one of the providers. So, I guess could you just unpack the ecosystem a little bit more? Like, how would a let's say somebody wants to build a fintech? What would how would it work with uh, with going to hydrogen? Absolutely, you make a great point, and this is why we started hydrogen because we spent five years, really from 2009 to 2014, building infrastructure. And that infrastructure was basically bridging what you would consider a front office platform in financial services to the back office. There was no middleware that existed. And, and that was the big gap that many VPs have filled that vacuum in the last five to 10 years. And so originally we had to build the APIs and account opening transfers 
you know, imagine, you know, if you didn't have things like Plaid and Stripe and Currency Cloud, how would you fund accounts? How would you open accounts? How would you offer uh, iPhone apps that allow, you know, 10 greens, you open an account, you know, 10 years ago, you would get mailed a application with a wet signature, you faxed it back in, and this is how you used to uh, do financial services. So what you do is hydrogen is you unpack all this complexity now that exists because now you have dozens of these middleware APIs and these back office ecosystem, no entrepreneur understands how to build on top of them. And many of them make it easy to integrate like currency cloud, but it's actually building that application layer. And that's what hydrogen does is we integrate with all of the popular middleware APIs. We build business logic on top of it. We build front end libraries and front office libraries on top of these uh, this ecosystem so we abstract away all that complexity so you could come to us that's a few buttons. everything is standardized so if you have a plaid and mx and yodli who offer open banking data all things different uh names they have different labels different ways of integrating we standardize everything it's all the payments apis all the open banking the card apis are all standardized by us um, so it's just one API that says open account, fund account et cetera. And then we build the front end logic on top of it. So we just abstract away that complexity and make it really easy uh, for customers to build these applications. Yeah, the, the platform sounds obviously great. So just to know we're clear exactly, I mean, if, if you have built the front end as well, so if some fintech wants to build something, they don't have to do any really much work at all. Um, they just come to Hydrogen and they can build their own user experience on top of everything you've already done? Exactly. We, so we are a developer platform first. What we've found is there's really two kinds of users in this market. They're very sophisticated users, typically fintechs, who want to build on top of APIs. And you also can lump in large enterprises there. Uh, and they want to build their own workflows. They want to build their own front end and their own UX, either in-house or through a third party. So we have over 700 APIs that either connect into some of the middleware or abstract away some of that back office complexity for our user. And then they could build their own UX. Um, and then we have another library set that's more no and low code. And those are the less sophisticated users or people that want to just get to market quickly. So let's assume that you're an e-commerce company. You come to us, you don't have a square type of fintech product team. You don't have 100 people that have built fintech apps before. How are you going to offer prepaid debit cards? You have to go figure out what is a prepaid debit card? Who do I integrate with? What are the workflows? They don't have data infrastructure for it. They don't have API infrastructure. So we would provide them with no-code components, either web components or React components that have all the orchestration done for them. They would have a currency cloud integration, market integration, Dwala, Stripe, et cetera, KYC integration, as you mentioned on Fido before, uh, uh, the ACH integration, onboarding, analytics, everything would be orchestrated with front end. So they could plug in components with some embed codes and they could get to market within a few days. And the alternative would be months of development, which they can do uh, if they're more sophisticated on top of the APIs. So we, we try to give both options. And it makes it very scalable and very flexible for the user. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think a lot of uh, you know people that are maybe thinking about building something or you know have an idea to start their own company. That's where they get stuck. And you know, I, I don't maybe I don't I have an idea, but I'm not that good of a coder. 
or I, I, I can code, but I don't know enough about the industry or I don't know AML KYC. And I don't even know how I would bring all that together. So you guys have brought that under one roof. In terms of wealth management, I guess you, you guys have a few different components. You have the, you know, the bankings and you have wealth management. Um, who are the primary partners in the wealth management side? And I guess, how do you, how do you guys see the differences between uh, the companies that are using the wealth management stuff uh, versus the, the banking as a service? Is one attract, more attractive than the other? Do you see more traction on, on one side or the other? It's very interesting. So the vast majority of companies who would use the wealth APIs that we offer, and we break our platform down to vertical. We have banking and saving. We have wealth uh, and insurance. And then we have financial wellness. Uh, the banking and savings is mostly companies that are adding components. An e-commerce company that wants to add cards, a healthcare company that wants to add cards, a fintech startup that wants to offer banking as a service. Uh, these are typically new business models, business lines for them. In the wealth space, we get a lot of enterprises that come to us. Uh, we have a library set in our APIs that does calculations. It's called Proton. So let's say you're a wealth management firm and you want to offer some digital investing capability. You have 100,000 users. Right now, they get PDFs, they get statements, they get you know, emails. It's not digital. How do you show them live performance? and risk analytics? How do you show them simulations on how their account will do five years from now? You don't have cloud infrastructure. You don't have API infrastructure. So there's a lot of what we do on the well side. We have a very large library set for simulations, backtesting, performance, and risk. Now, at the core, we're a data platform. Uh, most people don't realize that. What we do is manipulate data. So whether that's banking, orchestrating all that data with the APIs or in wealth, manipulating data that you might already have to show these different calculations, calculators, and analytics. That's a lot of what we do. Um, so there's a lot of enterprise applications there. But what's cool about our platform is it all hooks together. So you don't need to use us in silos. You could offer cards and then offer investment analytics. You could offer goals-based savings on top of the cards. All of the data works together. Our whole platform is orchestrated together. So it's a big difference between us and other more siloed uh, you know, API platforms that just have individual micro APIs that you use. Ours is all hooked together. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You could kind of just pick and choose a la carte what services that you need. So you could do wealth and, and issue cards and do ACH transactions, for example. If you want, that's what you're looking to build, uh, which yeah. I think is awesome. Or bring stock trading through Drive Wealth. Uh, we know those guys pretty well too. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of applications. And what we found, the big problem that we're solving is, again, the data is, works together. It's a standardized data model, which you don't really realize you need until you start building these fintech applications. Because once you start integrating with these third party, they don't talk to each other. And if you talk to most banks and insurance companies, what the big problem they have to unwind now is in the last 20, 30 years, they bought companies, they've turned over their staff, they've moved from... You know, Linux to this and that, and all these different systems, they don't talk to, to each other. So they might have 25 different databases and 30 different uh, third parties they integrate with, and they don't talk to each other. The data doesn't integrate. They, you might have a bank that can't pull in wealth management data from their own wealth management firm. So it's a lot of what Plaid and Gildley have tried to solve with open banking. We're just taking that a step further and then or and abstracting that away and orchestrating a lot more of the business logic for companies that want to build more full-fledged applications. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it totally makes sense. And it's funny because I've talked to other colleagues and, and people in the industry about this, you know, we have this concept of open banking and it's being pushed on the banks in Europe to, you know, open up all their data so that, you know, fintechs can access it. But what's funny is that fintechs aren't open. All of us have our own languages. We kind of do our own thing. It's, and when I speak to another fintech, sometimes, you know, it, literally like the language of what we speak is, is different. You know, someone might call it a virtual card and someone calls it a virtual account. It's really kind of the same thing. It'd be great if there was a glossary, you know, across the whole industry, but. Yeah, it's, it's a problem for sure. As there's more and more fintech companies and more infrastructure, a lot of them are very siloed. Um, together. It's a lot of what AWS and Salesforce tried to solve, IBM as well, Oracle. Some of the big platform providers and cloud providers have tried to aggregate all of these vendors together. But again, they become more like stores. What we're trying to do is more of a platform model where everything mm-hmm. talks to each other and integrates. It's much more complicated. It's pretty easy to have a store where people can just post APIs and you just pull the API, but then you still run into the same problem where they guys don't talk to each other. Um, so that, that's really what we're trying to solve is making all this fungible and allowing people to build in a more standardized way. So it's very scalable. Yeah, yeah no, so you guys have been doing this for, I believe it's coming up on three years or so, started in 2017. How much traction are you getting across the industry? Um, is it, is there, are you seeing this more coming in from like non-traditional fintechs? Like even I could see like, you know, some of these corporates that, a large corp that's just trying to add card issuing, like you said, healthcare. I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys see and how's the platform doing and how many customers do you have? Just curious. Yeah. So it's interesting. We're morphing as the, the industry changes over time and we we're more of an ecosystem player, as you've mentioned. So we have to really respond to what's happening in the market. So when we first started building this a few years ago, we we're doing a lot of wealth investment APIs. There's been an explosion in banking and payments API uh, in the last few years and demand. So we've really built out a lot of infrastructure there for cards and banking as a service. And we're a distribution partner now for a lot of the card and banking as a service providers. And what we try to do is, is more of a long tail model. So there's a big problem that now exists and the gap in the market that you guys probably see as well. If you're smaller, and this doesn't mean a fint- uh, startup, this could be a scale up. This could be a, a non-fintech company, maybe like a healthcare company. So they might have a million users, but they've never built anything in fintech before. They go to a lot of these vendors directly. They reject them because they don't want to spend six months onboarding them, doing technical integration. You know, they don't have mm-hmm. a fintech product team. And they may only start with 1,000 customers. Maybe two years from now, they'll have all a million of those users doing, let's say, prepay cards. But up front, you know, they probably want to test it first. So what we found is we're more of a long tail business and that's where we find the big uh, niche in the market. Like 95% of companies probably getting rejected by a lot of these FinTech vendors because they don't want to onboard them. It takes the same amount of time to onboard Uber as it does a you know, smaller startup or scale up. Um, so that's really what we've been focusing on is distribution through some of these partners, attracting those forgotten companies and helping them to enable these different applications. Uh, you know, we, we're profitable uh, and have positive EBITDA the first few years of business, which is nice. We actually do scrap the business. So we haven't raised any VC funding. So we're very rare. 
fintech space. And yeah. we've done an interaction with enterprises. Uh, one of our largest clients is TD Bank, for example, in uh, North America. And you know, we've been kind of expanding our enterprise footprint through some partners like MasterCard. We're in the MasterCard StarPath program. And uh, we have some other implementation partners there. And a lot of our focus recently has been more on the startups and scale up. We built out a lot of infrastructure there. And that's a lot of my work going forward is you know, can we get thousands of those companies and maybe a good return to them become the next correct saving or the next square. That's the way right. I yeah, so it's almost like I don't want to call it Y Combinator because you're but you could are you guys considering taking any kind of investment in some of these uh, startups that you help get started? That's a good question. Instead of doing that, what we've decided to do, at least for now, is we actually partner with the accelerators and incubators and ecosystems. We have quite a few of them already, like The Loft in Luxembourg. Uh, we started working with Techstars and some insurance accelerators. So we, we actually partner with them and give their users discounts. We just did a webinar with Queen City Fintech, uh, which they're excited about. And we're really trying to help them. We'll provide them with investor lists. We'll provide them with uh, vendors they could use. We hook them up with our marketplace that we've been building out. So if they need help with design or development or RPA, BPA, or machine learning, we have some vendors we've been partnering with. So we've been taking more of an ecosystem approach there. Uh, I don't know. At some point, we, we may decide to do something a little bit further in that area. But for now, we're really just trying to help them because... You know, we're trying to incentivize them to get to market. That's our business model. We're, we're user and usage-based. So if they don't get people to use the platform, we won't get paid. So that's really what we're trying to do is, is uh, do that. We don't want to take any ec- other economic incentives. Yeah, I think that makes sense um, for now. And, and you're totally right, though, because in our working at Currency Cloud, we definitely have some companies that are like, yeah, we think we need international payments. Happens all the time. I think I want to send cross-border. Uh, I don't really know anything about it. I know my customers kind of want it, but my I don't have that much volume, you know, or, or the transactions aren't that much, but I, I see a need. I just don't know how to define it. Um, and so for those kind of customers, it's very difficult for us. Like you are just mentioning, it's like, if, if we want to help them out, obviously, but they don't have the data to back up a justification for, you know, purchasing a platform service. So then, you know, you, you kind of get stuck with those. And then, so I see that there is a huge gap that you guys are filling. That's right. And for a lot of the companies like yourself, it typically is, is hard to work with uh, firms that aren't ready to get to the market with a lot of usage. It just eats up a lot of resources. So that's what we've tried to focus on our developer center. So we put a lot of work. We have a huge amount of documentation, tutorials, uh, integration guides. We have UI libraries. We're building out a lot of configuration libraries as well. Uh, so we don't want to make it equally as complex. If we're going out and saying we're trying to make it easy to build fintech components, it can't be hard to use our platform. So that's really what we focus on. It's trying to make it easy and simple. So if you don't have to be super technical or really into fintech to understand how to use our platform. So we're building a lot of UI and a lot of components. And we're making a lot of good progress there. So that, that's really what we're trying to do is make it easy and simple. So firms like yourself can just focus on your core business and don't have to worry about customer success, getting a lot of these users to market because uh, our platform can take care of a lot of that for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the biggest issues is you, when you do get someone who signs up, um, ensuring that they integrate and they get going. I mean, that's a huge cost and it's, it's a lot of, it is a lot of work, um, for yeah. companies like, like ourselves. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge amount of work and there's been a lot of VC money put into this market. A lot of it is for customer success, sales engineering. We find it ourselves. What's unique about our platform is we integrate with a lot of APIs. We've done over 20 of them already. And these aren't simple integrations. We spend three to six months typically with partners. It's fully integrated into our data infrastructure. Then we build API documentation, quick start guides, integration guides on top of the third-party APIs. So we've seen a lot of uh, mistakes that companies have made. Uh, it's a very simple one for those listening is we probably you know, will ask the same questions over and over to a lot of companies. So like really basic things, providing wikis, where, you know, customer questions, uh, just providing some more information because if we're asking the questions, everyone else is probably asking the same questions. Um, so that, that's really what we're trying to do is make it more crowdsourced uh, and make it easier to implement and also pass on a lot of that information to some of our partners because you know we don't want them spending six to 12 months with, with users. You know That doesn't help anyone because if you have an awesome platform like Currency Cloud, if no one's using it, then they're not getting the advantages of it. And you know it really shuts out a lot of you know, end customers from the market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you almost could have a whole nother business there in just kind of helping these platforms maybe enhance their API guides or their uh, SDKs and, or the wikis and just making that because there's a lot of companies that they do. Some do it really great, but some it's very it's difficult to even find the API documentation sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty similar to what problem has been solved by the middleware companies, though. <laughs> You know, it's what they solve on top of FIS and Fiserv and Jack Henry and some of these other platforms, that is basically what they pitched, similar to what Stripe pitched as well. We used to do, when we first started our first company, I think authorized.net, or I was looking through our old paperwork the other day when we were moving offices, and it was just so complex. I, I didn't understand any of what they were talking about. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these companies have built new infrastructure on top of it. Uh, some have done a good job, you know, some you know, not as well. So I, I definitely think there's always going to be an abstraction layer and always going to be someone building on top. I'm sure someone will build on top of us at some point and say, oh, hi, this is That's hard for you. We're going to build something on top of you guys. So right. <laughs> I think that's really good. It means, it means you're doing something well and there's yeah. people that want to use it. So I, I think there's always room to approve in, in these markets and these spaces. And there's always... Someone abstracting. Good example of Figma. I know a lot of people are using that now in the design space. And I'm sure when they were pitching that five or ten years ago, people thought they were crazy. Like, well, why do you need that? And I'm sure someone would just pitch something on top of them at some point too. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's always a a race, right? Like as soon as you think you've got the top and best best platform, somebody else is going to come out with something better, which is great. Yeah, that's good. It's good for innovation and. A lot of this has to do with having legacy technology as well. And once you build these platforms, you, know, you have to constantly tear them down and rebuild because there's always these new technologies that go out there. So you know, that's what happened 15, 20 years ago when a lot of these first API platforms were coming out. They spent a lot of money on now what's obsolete infrastructure. 
and then they had to rebuild a lot of it. So hopefully that doesn't happen going forward because things have become more modular and easier to build on top of. But that's something we're always have an eye on is making sure we're always using the most modern technology and just making it really simple. We don't want to do anything that complicated. You know, we don't use a lot of fancy programming languages or anything that people don't know. We're trying to do something that's very, very standardized. Right. Yeah. I mean, the same thing for on our side, it's like you, you have to gut the system every couple of years and start over. Um, you know, and we've re- recently done some, a lot of things in, in that regard that have been, you know, exponentially increased our operational efficiency and, you know, moving most everything to microservices so that when you make a change, it doesn't, you know, screw up the whole system. Yeah. That's important. There's a lot of architecture and technology that goes into these platforms behind the scenes that people don't see. And uh, unfortunately, you have to build a lot of this into the system up front. You almost have to plan three to five years ahead of time. Because once you start building these ecosystems, these platforms, you're stuck. You know, some people are on a V1 for 10 years. It's very, very hard to rip that down and build it because you have just layers and layers and layers and layers of infrastructure built on top of it. So we put a lot of time and effort in the beginning to that. And it took us a good year just to do the integration infrastructure. So just to be able to integrate with someone like Currency Cloud or Stripe or Plaid, it took us over a year. It was very complicated to build that, which looks like two lines of code on our platform. It looks very simple. There's <laughs> a lot of infrastructure work on the back end. Yeah, beautifully simple. But I think, listen, we could have a whole other podcast about this, the infrastructure and how this is all going to change. It's, there's so much to unpack there. But what, I wanted to let the audience know, like, what's the best way to get in touch with Hydrogen? If someone's listening and they, they think they have an idea to start something, but just if you go to the website? Oh, sure. We're all streamlined. We're a SaaS platform. You sign up, it takes... I tested it yesterday. I did a little presentation. It was about three minutes and 45 seconds. I was going very slow to show everyone <laughs> talk, uh, to go through the whole onboarding. And that's it. You tell us what you want to build, take all the resources. And then we have a very open sandbox. You can sign up and use, get qualified within a few, few minutes, and hopefully you can start building. There's a lot of resources there. So we're a very developer-friendly platform. All right, great. It's just hydrogenplatform.com, right? That's correct. Yes, hydrogenplatform.com. And on Twitter, we're Hydrogen API. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks again for joining. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and really excited to start, uh, hopefully, uh, our integration uh, with Hydrogen and Currents Club. Awesome. We look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.